0: It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny.
1: Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny and this is my show. And today we are back at the Guy guys. Episode eighty-one, it's two in a row. Doing uh, mainly because I'm this weekend. <laughs> and kindly. Something that actually happened last week, which was the retirement of Kairu Maeda. And joining me is Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir?
0: I'm pretty good. We watched a lot of decent wrestling, and it's finally slightly cooler here. So I <laughs> don't feel like I'm melting.
1: Okay, well, for those of you who don't know, Keiru Maeda, or more commonly known these days as Keiru, is one of the class of 86 which was Yukota's first graduating class of the AJW Dojo. But she perhaps does not get as much kudos as her contemporaries, such as Megumi Kudo, Combat Toyota, Aja Kong, Yamoki Hata and Suzuki Minami do because she stayed with the company very long, partly because she understood the way the business was going and found a different path for Joshi. And in many ways she was ahead of her time and really foretold the fortunes of what Joshi became as the scene fragmented in the latter part of her career and being a freelancer was the best way to make a living and to create some incredible professional wrestling. Um, what's your thoughts on Akira Maeda before you watch this? Because I know you've watched her de- recent stuff but I'm not sure you've watched her older stuff. Not Akira Maeda, Keiru Maeda. <laughs> uh,
0: it's always a name that sort of I heard bringing about. I'd seen matches here and there. She'd sometimes feature on shows you've got me to watch and things like that. Always been a solid worker, always been a fan. But like uh, her early, early stuff, I've not necessarily seen as much of. Like some of the 80s stuff, I've not really seen. But as you said, more more modern K.R.U. I've seen a lot of.
1: (laughs) So we have done a playlist for you, which will be attached to the tweets associated with this particular podcast. And we open... With a class of 86 special. Kira made it. I've it to come like We'll just call her Kira from now on. I'll make a mistake again. Kira is making, well, she wasn't her debut. She'd been going for a little bit of a while, but a little bit of time by this, but she's going up against the debuting Megumi Kudo. Um, Kudo, as you long know if you've been listening to the show for you at the time, did not last long in the AJW dojo. She only lasted a couple of years and then was scouted by Atsushi Unita to, to start in the FMW dojo in 1990. But this is her debut. And this is intriguing because it's two terrified 16-year-old girls wrestling in front of a massive crowd. What's your thoughts on this, John? Because this is about as classic AJW 80s rookie match as you're going to get.
0: Yeah, I think you just summed it up perfectly. It's two terrified (laughs) 16-year-olds fighting in front of a large crowd. To be fair, they don't look terrified for most of it. It is a very, as you said, a very... AJW rookies match they're both very technically adept they're both basically we know what we can do we'll show it off and we'll take a few risks in between and yeah it just plays out nicely and shows that both of them are competent at what they do
1: there's a lot of submissions in this this is very kind of actually I know a lot of the late 70s and all the way up to the mid 80s AJW stuff was very influenced by British wrestlers like Billy Robinson and or European wrestlers like Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson, this is this wouldn't be out of place on a World of Sports show, if you see what I mean. There's all sorts of nice little bits. Kru coming up with the variation of the Curb Stomp back in 1986, and she's got a vicious camel clutch, which is dug talking really deep on Megumi Kudo. I'm watching as we uh, go through this to remind myself. But just, they are just technically adept, but there's a, something about both of them, I think. There's a certain amount of X Factor that you can see in both of these wrestlers.
0: It's like when we went back and watched like Akira Hokuto's early stuff. You you can just see the personality already forming in both of them. Like you see where they are here, and you know where they're going. And you're just like, ah, so that's where they got that. They improved that <laughs> down the line. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you should have kept doing that. It's <laughs> there's just a lot of nice little like moments that you know are going to get expanded on later down the line in their careers.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, it... kudos just. As well, it's like we've we've looked at so much kudo stuff, especially with Chelsea falling. And Chelsea, when I first told Chelsea after her first, the first time she watched FMW, and it was kudo and combat Toyota in that uh, the first uh, street fight between women in in FMW, and I told her that she'd been let go by AJW because she wasn't good enough. And Chelsea just went, she wasn't good enough. (laughs) It's like, yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't considered to be moving on fast enough. Is really a more technical way of putting it but this shows that you know they both have promise but keiru is the senior of the duo and she wrestles with a bit more poise i would suggest
0: yeah she's definitely this one sort of leading the match but yeah they both just hold their own and it's an excellent little showcase match with keiru getting the win in a very forceful pin <laughs> like, does it once kick out it's like no you will stare the fuck down <laughs> <laughs> and then we
1: move on to a little bit later on and it's a six woman tag and it's um, the early days of Jungle Jack with Aja Kong Grizzly Uomoto and Bison Kimura going up against Keiru Norio Tatiano um, and Medusa Norio Tatiano of the Jumping Bomb Angels uh, and Medusa Medusa Maselli, um, Medusa, and this is this is like a key 1990 match. If you see what I mean, Aja's not quite at full pomp and circumstance of Aja Kong. She hasn't put the weight on yet. She's got the mohawk. She's got the face paint. Um, Grizzly Iwamoto's um, le- feathered and lethal. Um, no, it's not. It's uh, Kondo Saito's feathered and lethal mullet. Um, and you've got Daisen Kimura, well on her way to. Being the statuesque uh, goddess of violence that she is, and they're going up against three key baby faces and Tatiana, Maeda, uh, sorry, or Kairu and and um, Medusa Maselli. And this is obviously a couple of years down the line. They're they're into uh, Kairu's into her career now. She's found a voice for herself as a wrestler, and she's a proper baby face. And this is kind of like and a brilliant example of what it was like to be a baby face in the 1990s and late 1980s because you were going to face violence all the violence <laughs> <laughs> and no one delivers violence like Bison Kamura and Kong,
0: and Grizzly and Lovelace was... the car crash Joshi.
1: it is yeah this is this is the point where they're trying to find their way um in this particular like style because they're kind of still in the shadow of Dun Matsumoto and Bull Nakano. Mercano. Bull is still around. Jungle Jack has just formed under the was just about to form under the shadow of a gay Dome. And um yeah and this match is kind of a classic baby face versus heel kind of matchup. I am absolutely intrigued as to how Medusa Musli's outfit stayed on her body because it appears to be held together with string. Um, but there we are. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah,
0: I, I was quite surprised by how violent this one got. There's a lot of stiff kendo shots.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really where they were at. You know, Aja has not put the full-on weight on yet, so she's still trying to figure out where she is. Um, Kondo Saito trying to, like, wrestle with sunglasses on if she could possibly help it, but she was persuaded not to, thankfully.
0: <laughs> I just love the fact that this was another one of those matches where it takes, like, two or three people just to get Kong to go down. It's like... Even before like she's fully bulked up, she's still just a monster.
1: (laughs) And this is of course the classic Gukaki Doney Heel referee as well. Um, gentleman in the red trousers, who was this is just the worst referee in the world. I mean like you know, that is Marty's army pad. (laughs) Um but yeah, it's it's it, it is violent and this is kind of like as a mid-level tag match you don't expect it to be this violent but they absolutely were they were not of the let's not overbook things and even the baby first is just kicked off with the violence to start with because they know they're gonna have to have an uphill struggle so they just beat up poor uh, bison kimura to start with and then they went from there and yep all right first into the hair pulling and the punches to the stomach and you know it's going to be a bit of a trip for 11 minutes and they actually argy kong beats up the commentator in this match as well
0: I loved that. Like, <laughs> the violence just spills outside, and then for, like, three minutes, you're just watching Aja Kong beat up a commentator who, by, I think, the ninth minute has finally recovered and has just crawled back to the commentary table. <laughs> like, oh, I'd, I'd forgotten about that until you brought it up, and I was just like, oh, God, I forgot about that, because I was cackling. But,
1: it I mean, it was... Weird. It was kind of a limited groove, I think, as far as babyface characters were concerned at the time because you had to be this stoic babyface and, you know, there were people on the roster who could be that stoic babyface like Akira Hokuto and Benami Toyota and, um, you know, Paul Meccano. Um And I'm not saying Keiru couldn't be that stoic babyface, but there was a lot of people who could do it really, really well around her, if that makes sense. You can see that she's she is very good, but is she? Is it worth her staying really at this point? <laughs> is the question that comes to mind because you know she had won the AJW Tag Team Titles, which I think is what we're going to look at next um, as part of the Honey Wings um, team. Um, so shall we move on to that one? Yeah. So, that's that's nice. good. so I'm trying to remember how this one goes and just. Unfortunately, the title's in Japanese, so I can't remember exactly which one's which. <laughs> so I'm having to watch it to figure out which is which. Um, so, the honeybees...
0: is Zenjo, 1990s, Kaoru and Kiyo... Fucking move Skype window. <laughs> Kaoru and Kiyoko Inoue versus Etsuko Mita and Mimi Shimada
1: yeah so this isn't the honey wings um make sure i'll get this right honey wings were uh the tag team of mika Takeshi, takahashi
0: yeah that's the one that's below the, this one
1: that's the next one so this was more of a standard tag match and it's of the same era and obviously kyoku in a way is you know creating kyoku anyway this was the early days of a career before you know the face paint became a bit more defined and the fringes and stuff and they're going up against the newly, I suppose, new, there were three years into it, the team of Mima Shimota and Tsukimito, uh, better known to one and all as the LCO, but they weren't the LCO yet. They weren't the, super, the superior purveyors of true violence that they would become. Um, uh, the But this match is, again, is just kind of like hell for leather rookie kind of tag team match. And I'm not saying Kairou isn't good in this. She absolutely is. But it, she seems a bit out of place because she's older than the others and she's like, she's in this tag team with with people I mean, in any ways the same year as her, but these youngsters look so much more lively. And I'm not saying she's falling behind, but it seems like she's not up there with the matches you see her, her contemporaries having from the year before's class, if that makes sense.
0: I, I suppose this is the best time as ever to say this. Like, one of my biggest takeaways from like this playlist and this sort of retrospect is Kaoru reminds me a lot of Tarzan Goto in the sense that they are really good at being a glue wrestler. And obviously she has a, like as we go through some of these matches, she shines like ridiculously well. Like she could put herself over. She, she had the showmanship. She had all this, but when you boil it down, especially in some of the tag matches we watched, mm. she is just great at making sure everything go like works. Yeah. Even here. So like she realizes that like she's not quite as energetic as the others. So she just makes sure what she does works and keeps everything moving. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I could be right. talking i could be talking no no I, completely,
1: no I completely agree with you i think that's the that's the key thing i see about her she has a lot of talent for making matches work and but again you know you, she, she, you can tell she's kind of like she's not being held back it's just that everything else is moving forward so quickly and at that point, she's obviously good enough for them to keep her around. I mean, obviously around this time is when they let combat Toyota and Megumi Kudo go. You know, because it's like, they've already got Aji Kahn and and Nakano. why do you need combat Toyota? And they've already got Minami Toyota and they've got Akira Hokuto and they've got Minami Suzuki. Why do you need Minami Toyota? Why do you need uh, Megumi Kudo? Um, and that's a good point. So she's obviously, worth more to them then and also as well as you look in this video she's a bit more she's a bit more experienced of a couple of years there's a lot more lucha in her stuff than other contemporaries oh nice jackhammer she delivered just then. <laughs> you see what it's i mean like, there's more there's yeah. more stuff going on she's got more big moves and she's there's like all sorts of stunning head scissors i've seen her do um she's not just you basic Joshi midcard she's got a lot more about her ability wise and charisma wise and she can sell and like you said she's a complete glue wrestler but is that enough at ajw at this stage for her
0: i must have been doing something right because they put the tag titles on her and they kept her around so that she could keep other people working at least that's what it seems like
1: that's what i would suggest as well so we move on to the next match this is tagging with takashita um and who are they up against john because you've just done the translation
0: so <laughs> kearu and mika takahashi versus akira hokuto and suzuka minami
1: so this is an all class of 86 um affair uh, akira hokuto and suzuki minami were of course the marine wolves which is a brilliant name for a tag team just absolutely brilliant. And they were baby faces, believe it or not, at this point. But give it a couple of years and they come around <laughs> to their natural calling. Um, and this was the Honeywings. This was their attempt to kind of bring a, a, a tag team in a very similar kind of vein to the Jumping Bomb Angels. And they were trying, they were kind of really trying to find the next Crush girl and the next Jumping Bomb Angels because obviously they had such much success with those two tag teams. And around this time is, you, is when you get Dream Orca. With Yamada and Shimoda, and you get um, the Tokyo sweethearts, which with, with uh, Mita and uh, Toyota, which is the completely wrong way around. Uh, so <laughs> just it was just wrong, <laughs> and everyone figured out why it was wrong a couple of months later. But um, it just didn't quite gel the way it should have done. But Takashita and and Kairu seemed to just click. It all makes sense. But then again, you're going up against. Minami and you're going up against Hokuto, who at the time were arguably the best two singles wrestlers in the world. Uh, so you're always kind of swimming in an uphill battle at that point, aren't you? Not to say that they were bad, they were great. Um, and this match is really, really good. And it kind of showcases the presentation. Everyone looks like a star. They've got costumes, they've got the introductions, the themes are there. It's really impressive. I really like this, the way this match particularly works but it is just intriguing to me about how it all fits together. It's just like, they were they're desperate to make stars at this particular point and see who going to be the next big um, thing, but even then, you've got Chibisone Gaio on commentary, you've got this massive reminder of what was great six months ago, who's just retired. So it's its hard work to get traction, I think.
0: Yeah, but again, it goes to short. They kept Kaora around and kept her in tag teams, so they must have had some faith in her. And to be in a match with this many big names and still hold your own.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was for the AJW um, tag team division, really. You know, this wasn't for the big titles, even. You know, the big titles were the WWWA Women's Tag Team Championships, the Mildred Burke founded tag team championships. Whereas this one was for the junior championships, if you will. And this is what is remarkable is Kayroo was so athletic in this. Uh, she's in her colors of green and Takashita's in pink um and you know but the speed thereof Hokuto was renowned for just being relentless in matches and she doesn't really muck about in this she's just hurtling people around the ring that's what she does and that's where she's that's where she earns her money is just throwing people about it wasn't until she got older and slowed down a little bit and threw people about with purpose (laughs) (laughs) that she became the big star and Keiru here is again she's that glue wrestler isn't she she's holding everything together and making this match work
0: yeah she pretty sure this is the one where she becomes like the ultimate hot tag and also still makes sure that Hokuto and um I've got a Minami just look like monsters it's it's such a again excellent combo and it all yeah. it just works. It's a really well presented tag match that showcases everyone.
1: Yeah, it, it's just like, I'm also looking at the smile on Akira Hokuto's face. She's clearly having the time of her life. She was born to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Kairo as well is just like she's certainly got the aplomb about her at this particular point, and she has that star quality for sure.
0: It's like she might not get the same recognition as a contemporaries, but she's still earning her spot and putting like, everything she has into making sure everything works.
1: Um, the next match we have um, is actually from the Wrestle 1990 super show, which was as you'd probably guessed, a wrestling show at Marina, hence Wrestle Piad.
0: Just something slightly hilarious with this video. What's that? It's by Roy Lucier. Japanese yes. Ladies Promotions, but for, like, the past four times I've read it, I've read it as Roy Lucifer, and I'm just thinking, oh, cool, the devil has a great taste in wrestling.
1: <laughs> Roy Lucio is a legendary tape trader who, um, I've, I've, like, anything that's Mexican, basically, you can probably find over the last 30 years, and if you follow him on Twitter, he's a mind of information when it comes to Luchadors. He knows half of them personally, um, <laughs> and uh yeah, this is he. He loves Joshi and he loves pro wrestle as well. So, this is he has channels devoted to different styles of wrestling. That's how like cool he is as far as his tape trading and, and hoarding is concerned. And uh, you should follow him on Twitter. I think it's at Roy Lucier, uh, But everyone should follow him if you're interested in wrestling history because he's got such great insights. He was posting at the weekend about. Um, Sotoro Sayama's debut in Mexico and how it just spellbound people. And he was talking, I talked to him about that because he did the same thing in the UK. Um, this match is for the AJW Tag Team Championships and they're going up against Minami sorry, um, Mimi Shimoda and Ex They're not quite LCO, but I don't understand why they have these two as a tag team. They give them the AJW Tag Team Championships. Ah, oh, let's put them up and put in different teams.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but they're clearly ill suited towards their outlook in life um this is possibly the best tag match on this particular playlist and it is super smooth and you see all of the dynamic uh tag team movers that these two teams have and all the character the uh, stuff that they have i mean it's just the classic tag team opening match of corner whips do do double drop kick it's like rock and roll express versus midnight express from five years before in north america this is just breathtakingly high-speed tag team wrestling of, of, of the highest order. You can't really say any more about it. It's it's what rookie wrestling in AJW was really about during the 90s, and these two teams really exemplify that.
0: Yeah, it's just a sort of perfect example of two teams that got the assignment and did it. They opened the show in style and kept everyone... I think it's a 20-minute match, and it's just flawless from start to finish this <laughs> it's is the thing so smooth.
1: Yeah. you know it is just like you don't realize like those cards back then are so loaded this is the opening match and it would like, you could stick it on a main event of a big super show today and it would still work
0: <laughs> people tend to say the most important matches are the opening match and the main event because the opener is to like bring people in the main event is to send people home happy this was a very suitable choice for an opening match yeah because absolutely. it just does everything right
1: Unfortunately, it would be kind of a swan song when it came to big matches for Takeshita and for Kairu. Takashita retires a year later, as was the way, you know, you know, five years, twenty-six, that was kind of the thing. And if she felt she wasn't getting anywhere, or she would just burnt out, which has often happened with wrestling talent down the years, but Kairu takes a different path, and she decides that instead of signing on with AJW for the rest of her career, which at the time would have lasted till around about 1994. She's going to wrestle on the independent circuit. This is a time when there really wasn't much of an independent circuit. So she joins um, Universal Wrestling Federation, or sorry, Universal Wrestling, not to be confused with Universal Wrestling Federation, um, which is uh, Universal Universal World Wrestling, which is Grand Hamada's promotion, which is truly the only promotion in Japan at the time that was producing mixed cards of Joshi and Purerisu because it was a Japanese lucha promotion. And Gran Hamada was a a big name in CMLL where he got the title Gran, the Great Hamada. Um, And he brought over luchadoras to uh, Japan like Lady Apache who's in this particular opening match. And this match kind of shows like the kind of uh, the fact that Kairu had left all Japan women, but did in fact have a good working relationship with them because in this card is Mariko Yoshida, who just recently left the AJW Dojo, and Mima Shimoda, (laughs) who just watched her wrestle, but this was a year later. Uh, And this is, um, again, kind of ahead of its time. This is a four corners match uh, with an elimination to get to a, so it's an elimination four corners match, so you pin somebody and uh, they're eliminated. And this is a fun little lucha match. It's not the best thing in the world by the straining stretch of the imagination, but it starts with a double elimination um, and then we go forward from there. What did you think of this one, John?
0: Yeah, it was fine. It was very short, but it, as you said, ahead of its time, hit all its strides and basically delivered what it needed to. And again, ridiculous amount of name value for such a, an almost throwaway match.
1: Yes, I, I did manage to pick one where with- Kaira isn't in it for very long. Uh, <laughs> oh, she is not she gets through to the final, isn't Because it? It's because she's cut her hair short. Uh, Mariko Yoshida and uh, Mima Shimoda both get eliminated early on in the match. And then Lady Apache and uh, Shimoda kind of burn the house down for the rest of the match, uh, which is a lot of fun to watch. And Yoshida uh, and uh, Shimoda field the referee, give him a backdrop and an elbow drop, and kick him out for fast counting them, which I think was fair enough.
0: That does crack me up. Like, any time one of the staff members just gets bullied, it's quite funny, (laughs) because it's done in such (laughs) a dramatic way.
1: Um, Now, UWA was affiliated to CMLL in Mexico, and uh, then also affiliated to UWA Mexico. UWA is a promotion I would love to cover more of, because it's got an intriguing history. And without the UWA, you really don't get AAA, because up until the mid-1970s, There was the CMLL in Mexico and there was the Indies. And then a couple of the big Indies in Mexico City decided to work together to try and bring prices uh, down for ticket sales for customers and wrestlers fees up to try and make things fairer for wrestlers because it had been such a kind of monopoly for promoters down the years. And that's what formed the EWA. And they went on from the mid 1970s and really created a boom period in Lucha Libre all the way up until the 1990s when they went out of business and were kind of usurped by AAA. Uh, well, it, UWA was kind of on the downslide as AAA became an idea in Antonio Penner's mind. Um, and the UWA was uh, an organization that could do massive gates. Like one of the biggest gates they had was Silver Kings versus the Can-Am connection in, um, I think he was in Mexico City. And they did like 11,000 for a tag team match. Um, Pero Aguayo was one of their massive draws in the late 1970s as well. He wrestled Marty Jones in Mexico City in front of 30,000 people in a hair versus hair match.
0: One and of the he, biggest paydays Marty Jones ever got.
1: The biggest payday Marty Jones ever got. And he wore Madison Square Garden and he wore Budokan Hall as well. He got paid more for that than he did for those two matches you know, Marty Jones traveled the world. He wrestled for New Japan, wrestled for WWE. Um, and he wrestled for uh, UWA as well and got some big paydays out of it. Um, and they had a women's division, uh, which, of course, Lady Apache was part. Um, and they had a tag team championship, which is in the next match we're going to see. And tagging with Lady Apache is Kairu, And they're going up against, oh, a little team you might have heard of before called Manami Toyota and Toshi Yamada. And this is just at the beginning of them realizing that Yamada and Toyota might have some chemistry together, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they win the UWA Tag Team Titles in this particular match, uh, which is what actually kicks off their run to uh, winning the WWWA Tag Team Championships. But whilst they were winning these, they were having a feud in J they were having a feud in AJW as well over you know just being the best two wrestlers in the company essentially which led them to a match for the iwa women's championship which was that hair versus hair match at currican hall that everyone goes nuts about because it's absolutely amazing um but yes in this match we've got Keiru and lady apache tagging together they're going to my name toyota and I'm toshi imada and it is what you expected to be a breathtaking lesson in how to work a professional wrestling match what's your thoughts on this one
0: i again think you summed it up perfectly <laughs> Excellent match it's very fast very fluid and just very damn well done like it's manami toyota (laughs) like it says it all you've got again four big names doing big name things and having a blast
1: this is it Uh, manami toyota is wearing a a kind of uh uh what's the word mariachi inspired uh uh, ring jacket as well which is kind of cool too and yeah this is just this is as good as it gets in 90s wrestling and arguably it has not been as good since <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like i read chris charlton's book and he interviewed kenny Omega for the walking on eggshell's book about matches at the tokyo down and he talked to um kenny omega and he talked to ko tribushi and they both said they tried as a tag team the team they were trying to emulate was so and i uh, you know because guys have never tried that stuff before so that's what they were trying to do to try and be that good and they're not convinced they got there so, <laughs> so you know it's like i'm, I'm opening the, the opening of this match as toyota in an indian death lock whilst Kairu is um holding a chin lock and bridging folding herself in half to pull toyota in half of course toyota is like at the time had the most flexible ready body <laughs> the most flexible body in Joshi wrestling so foldering and a half looked like it was about to break her (laughs) and you know and Keiru again he's she's developed she's learned so much and she's become kind of this big star for UWA and for Universal Wrestling in uh, in Japan so she's had more chance to develop and become a bigger name within her own right and she hasn't lost that What's the word I'm looking for? She she is just she looks more set as a pro wrestler. She looks like a main eventer now. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it it definitely feels like the sort of the attitude change has come, the confidence is there. And again, just the sort of differences and moves, the technical everything has improved. It's it's really sort of starting to pick up.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, she's she's got a groove going here and it's kind of like an excursion without leaving the country because she would not have had the opportunities as she did in... She would not have had the opportunities in AJW to be a main event or on a regular basis and to have these kind of long main event style matches. Um, you know, this is and Hall. This is a main event for a title. She wouldn't have got that far in AJW. She would have done, but not every week, if that makes
0: sense. It would have definitely taken a lot longer and been a lot harder and probably less rewarding had she stayed in AJW. Um,
1: now, the issue is, of course, like we said, UWA was slowly but surely going out of business and also Universal Wrestling Company Limited in Japan was not doing too well either as most of it for Austin left uh, to form Michinoku Pro, including the owner of the company, Grand Hamada. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which left uh, Keiru pretty much without a job because Michinoku Pro was a men's only promotion. So she worked freelance until Chigaso Nagayo, her, her old friend from AJW, founded a new company called Gaia. And she brought Keiru on board as second in command. Um, and the company was born in 1995. And I think the first match we saw of a Gaia involved in Keiru was on the um, uh, Big Egg Universe show for AJW. Because they can never get out of AJW at all together if they have to at some point. <laughs> um, and she made a debut on that particular card as a Gaia wrestler. Uh, however, she became the number two babyface. She headed up the training school for a while as well at Gaia. And she becomes this go-to glue wrestler that we know she can be. And um, we've got a, quite a bit of uh, Gaia stuff to look at. But the early stuff we're going to look at is actually WCW because um, Shigaso Nagayo goes and signs a deal with WCW to wrestle as a Zero and brings her roster with her to actually essentially create a WCW women's division based on the greats of uh, professional wrestling in Japan. And the first one we're going to look at is Akira Hokuto, the Dangerous Queen versus Keiru from the 29th of December in 1996 with, unfortunately, Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan on commentary. Uh, that doesn't sound like I love Tony Shivani. I love Bobby Heenan. I do not love racism and sexism, which of, there is plenty on show here, unfortunately. So Kairu starts the match. She is the uh, underdog going in against Akira Hokuto, who is the who's been managed by Sonny Ono, because of course you would have to be managed by Sonny Ono. Um, and this is, uh, to be honest, a bit of a kicking.
0: <laughs> it's a squash.
1: It is, yeah, because it's not. The subtleties of Joshi are particularly lost on the center stage audience. However, the center stage audience do know their wrestling exceptionally well, as me and Dara discovered when we did um, the Great Muta retrospective a couple of weeks ago. And it's like the same crowd, really, essentially, because like all the center stage mob all went together, really. It's a bit like the NXT fans now. Um, mm. And in fact well AEW has they still do their shows at the center stage and it's probably quite a few of them I do like Akira Hokuto grabbing Sunyona by the hair to get him out of the ring that's quite good I'm amazed you didn't give him a clip around the ear of. I um, just
0: love the attire like it this, is the dangerous queen outfit will never not pop me just the gigantic mane and the sort of semi <laughs> gas mask look it's just amazing yeah and yeah it, it's an absolute kicking of a match <laughs> Like, Kaoru gets her shot, like, licks in. Even even when she's getting her ass kicked, she somehow still manages to shine. That was the other thing I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Especially when she's, like, the beat-down partner or the punching bag in some of the tag matches. And it's just, like, even then, it's, like, you still look great doing this.
1: (laughs) It's Akira Kira Hokuto just playing to the crowd and, like, acting like she wants to murder people is also exceptional. Um uh oh yeah, she's doing the um uh sheep killer. That, uh uh O'Connor uses but didn't have a choke with a sheep killer. Uh Bill Curtis is referee, uh, of course. Um, the late great Bill Curtis, who pretty much is arguably one of the best wrestlers in North America ever produced, but was just so tiny. Um he could never really make it work for himself, bless him. Um and yeah, this is this is a bit of a trip down the line watching this match. Um I probably watched it 30 years ago. Is it, is it well? Off, like 25 years ago. Um, but yeah, again, Keiru, she's got size about her now as well. She was always bigger than everybody else, but she's put weight on in a good way, not lost any of her athleticism and has a lot more power to her in this particular phase as well. It's difficult to tell in a four minute match, but you can see that she's still got all the power, but still got all the grace as well.
0: I really want to... So again, you can like WCW World Pie, but the commentary was shit.
1: It was. It was awful. Because it is like Bobby Heenan's out of his depth. Like Quite for the mile. most
0: part they're just talking about how attractive the wrestlers are. And both Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan wanting to get stepped on by I guess they were very kink positive.
1: Huh. Yeah, well that's kind of like um, playing into a bunch of stuff. Um, that's not particularly, you know, it's playing into a bunch of stereotypes, isn't it? Really?
0: Yeah, I never said it was good. It's just the one small light that, hey, you can talk about kinks on well, WC. Been... <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I think we can just say they're being horribly racist and sexist. But there we go.
0: Very...
1: <laughs> you know, they wouldn't do that now because they kind of like it was a bit like that in the early days of AEW with Jim Ross and, and, and um, to a lesser extent, Giovanni. Um, on commentary, and they kind of just got it beat out of them by fans going on Twitter saying, you can't say things like that anymore. Please don't. (laughs) Um, And we of course get to see the first early versions of the Keiru Moonsault, which I argue to this day is the best-looking moonsault in pro wrestling. Ever.
0: I quite like the Valkyrie splash she does later down the line.
1: Okay, We'll move on, though. We're back in Japan for the next match. And it's for the JWP Tag Team Championships. Keiru is tagging with Hikari Fukuka, who was a graduate of the Gaia Dojo. And they're going up against Dynamite Kansai and Cutie Suzuki, the two biggest draws that JWP produced. This is a for all the marbles tag team match. And it feels like a for all the marbles tag team match. Because Cutie Suzuki, as cute and polite and nice as she is, when it came to defending the honor of JWP, she put Mayumi Ozaki to shame. She hated people. And she would do anything to defend the honor of JWP because it was the company that gave her her life uh, as a career in professional wrestling. Tagging with Dynamite Kansai is kind of like the ultimate science and power tag team that JWP could produce. And going up against Fikoka and Keiru, that's just absolutely lights the blue touch paper as far as I'm concerned. This is what you want to see in a professional wrestling match. What's your thoughts on this, John?
0: Yeah, this was insane like <laughs> just again pure quality in like a tag match as he said suzuki is relentlessly vicious and dynamite kansai is dynamite kansai i did love that her um ring attire looked like her entrance attire sorry looked a bit like the doom marine armor mm. i was just expecting it to start shooting demons uh, <laughs> so, again it's it's name value like kansai cutie suzuki kearu fukuoka it's just again you're bringing all these people in that know how to work and they just put on another magic match it goes relatively long but it's never boring it's just very it's just great
1: yes it really this is the
0: is. problem when we do like really big playlists it's just yep it was great it? <laughs> well look at the people in it it was great
1: I know this is this is the trouble It is like we try and do these so that you've got as of listeners have got reference to follow through what we're trying to talk about but the trouble is we're doing when you're concentrating one person you tend to lose narrative flow because reviewing a card's a lot easier because you've got set things that happen you can talk about angles you can talk about interviews you can talk about a bunch of stuff that goes on on a card when you're looking at snapshots of what someone was doing over a period of time it's a lot more difficult to Really express how you feel about what's going on in matches because obviously you pick out the best stuff, and sometimes like the worst matches you see actually have more stuff to talk about. Them.
0: It's like it's funny because these next two are completely different to anything we've talked about so far. Yeah, because it's it's heel Keoru in WCW because Sonny Ono has moved on and now Kaoru's just being a bitey, vicious little dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And it... whilst, whilst in Japan still being the number two babyface in the
0: and it's so far removed from what you'd expect but she still somehow makes it work because she just gets it
1: that's it, we'll move on to that match then, okay, because I've, uh, the the tag team title match is the match you want to watch by the way, it's arguably the best match, will not say it's the best match on this card but it's got all the presence, it's got everything you need, it's star power pro wrestling at it's best and the next match is a six minute squash but there's loads more to talk about in a six minute squash. <laughs> <laughs> this one Which doesn't feel like quite
0: so much of a squash though, because sure, Kira wins it, but she makes Sonico Kato look bloody amazing.
1: Sonico Kato is pretty amazing to begin with though. She was the co leader of the dojo, would make her sat more at this particular point, bearing in mind they were both about 17. Uh or Mika Tomo just got out of the Dojo. She wasn't the Dojo leader yet. And she would be Dojo leader in a couple of years' time if you watch the Guy Girls documentary, obviously you'll know that. But Kota uh, Kato was um she her and Setamura would just come off of a big feud with um I can't remember who the tactic was it LCO, maybe with LCO, yeah. They they were in the middle of a feud with LCO in Japan. Trying to like you know establish themselves. They were natural rivals anyway because they, one was blue and one was red, and they come out of the dojo together. And of course nowadays, Kato's still you know the big draw for Oz Academy. She's one of their leading baby faces some 25 years later. And of course, Mika Satomura is your current WWE United Kingdom Women's Champion. Um, and Kato comes out like you said as a heel because she's a heel now in WCW at least and um, Sonny Arno's latest charge and yeah it's a very different kind of approach and we've still got Bill Curtis as referee so, uh, <laughs> possibly because he's the only referee who would know what's going on
0: it's was... really interesting to watch her like entire demeanor and attitude shift to fit what she's doing here yeah like there's a whole lot of depth on show for something that lasts about four minutes
1: yeah, I mean, she's wearing, even wearing the same gear she does as a baby face. It's just that the way she moves and develops herself as a wrestler is what's changed. She's just biting to start with, and that's that's a good way to get heat. <laughs> and it's just cheating. It's just absolute blatant cheating, using the ropes to accentuate your armbar and just kicking this poor young girl uh, when she's down, really.
0: It's like, oh, you want to see technical wrestling? Bite me.
1: she she plays to the crowd with it as well you know she's got this kind of level of um heat that ah cata comes back with some biting. i like that it's a very nuts and bolts professional wrestling match it's the kind of thing if you're going into a new market it's the kind of thing you'd put on at the beginning of a show to show you how professional wrestling works if that makes sense
0: it's like interesting because she doesn't go quite so over the top with it either no. like when you look at hokuto's match you've obviously got the pomp and circumstance of the dangerous queen there is a very specific attitude and so everything is deliberate whereas kaoru her heel run is more it's still very technical and very sort of traditional wrestling wise but then you've got the biting and the the sneering and all that sort of stuff so even then she still does her own thing and keeps everything consistent even though she's supposed to be like the bad guy
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just stands on uh, Kato's throat at one point not really a wrestling move but you know it, it, it's good for a good for a boo massive hair mare as well she like really yanks her across the ring I never understood how they do that without hurting the other person that much. A lot of it is go the wrestler going with it, I suppose, but still, you've just grabbed them by two handfuls of hair. <laughs> I'd
0: ask Emi Sakura at some point. It's her specialty.
1: Yeah, true. Um,
0: it's like the next match is even weirder, though, because she's doing this to Medusa.
1: Yeah, the next match is, um, as John just said, it's a formerly Alunda, the former Alunda Blaze Medusa Miss going up against Kairu. In 1997, um, and it's a bit of an odd Saturday after Saturday. These tapings went on forever, by the way. Like, they're just hours of them, and like the fans were bored and stuff. So, it's difficult sometimes to get a reaction out of the fans that you want, or it's very much people are putting signs up going boo and people got signs up going cheer (laughs)
0: because it's just, just such an odd match because so much of it is just shenanigans,
1: yeah, entirely. Um the fans hate her. She's really built a reputation as being a heel. That's that's good. And um, Medusa is Medusa. She's, you know, still the absolute darling of the crowds. And um, I'm just going to speed up it up a bit so I can get a bit more into it so as i watch it whilst you're watching
0: it. This is the match where the stereotypes really come into play, though, because you've got all-American Medusa taking on the evil foreign heel. And of course, um, commentary loves to rub that in.
1: In, in, a, in, a, in a outfit that violates the flag code i'd like to point out
0: <laughs> uh, you, you've got enough flag shaggers don't care if it's on a tire
1: yeah true i mean, for those of you who don't know the american flag code which is shows the appropriate use of the stars and stripes you're not allowed to use it as clothing okay so if you see someone in a star star spangled bikini they're breaking the flag code I would suggest you leave them be, do not interfere with their lives. They might be dangerous. Um anyway. Um, <laughs> um yes. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of like more traditional kind of US baby face heel style matchup, very much a um, standard patriotic fare. I wonder how many nationalist wrestling tropes that have been used in professional wrestling. I hope because they're still working today. You know, All Star Promotions still run a. They were up until a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if they're running it now, but they they were still running a EU versus Britain wrestling stories on their shows. Like um, the Baby Faces were, of course, all British, and the heels were. Uh, regulations of the all the regulations of the wrestling were run by the EU, and. <laughs> And a couple of, like 10 years ago, it was, um, they had, um, you know, a numerous, how can I say this, Arabian descent wrestlers who uh, were, were heels and, you know, part of the, that was part of the storylines of the shows. And... I
0: think, I think one of my favorites are a very blatant, just E versus everyone moments was i went to a local show when i was in uni it was just on at the su the wrestling society was putting it on and there was a bunch of local lads there and one of them was estonian and he just, he's fighting just you sort of all white meat baby face type guy he just <laughs> at one point he goes to the ring up and he just goes oh look at my evil estonian id <laughs> it was <so> <laughs>
1: I remember doing it, going to see a show in Brigg, and there was one guy who was a heel just because he was from
0: Grimsby. So, ah, but that—that that...
1: which is fair enough, as far as I can. It
0: wasn't be. Tyler Devlin, was it?
1: No, not Tyler. Tyler's lovely. Not
0: Tyler. Yeah, but
1: he,
0: he's one of the nastiest villains I also know on the death match scene. He's from Grimsby. <laughs> He I Used thought, to be. Don't know if he
1: still is. I was in London now. I was talking to him about because he was talking about moving down to London to, to kind of get more exposure for his wrestling shows. And he was like, "I want. Can I get Henderson's relish down there? Which is a Sheffield delicacy." Um, and I was like, "No, mate. They don't serve cheesy chips, either. And you'll end you'll end up with rock salmon. What the hell is rock salmon?" Like, oh God. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> rock salmon is haddock. Those of you don't know. Uh, I'll we love man... you, wish
0: for you listening to this, Tyler. Hope to yeah. see you again in action.
1: Uh, pet this this also this match is uh, run by pet boys, which is an auto park store
0: oh God yeah the whole advert in it at the beginning
1: yeah, too um and also Karoo wins this match which is a bit unusual for the time because Medusa was on a big push but they were trying to build angle between Karoo and uh, um, Medusa this was when American wrestling promotions built angles between wrestlers and had more than one women's match on a show anywho
0: I and mean, technically right. she gets her win in quotation marks It's a Cheating Rob.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's she's, she's the evil foreigner, and the Atlantans are, um, you know, up against it. Uh, when it comes to um, uh, dealing with this foreign menace, said foreign menace goes back to Japan and she's a massive base, baby face against uh, the WCW women's champion of the time, Akira Hokuto, in this absolute thriller. As you would expect, Kairu versus Akira Hokuto. This is one of my
0: favourite matches on this playlist. This is incredible.
1: Yeah. This is. It starts with a kick in, and then Kairu delivers a moonsault and then lifts up Akira Hokuto. You don't lift up Akira Hokuto. No one's done that before. And Akira is pissed.
0: <laughs> there is like a terrifying moment near the start of this match where Kairu nearly eats the fucking dirt on a dive. And Hokuto just picks her up and drops her again. He's like, "Yeah, you are gonna hurt for fucking that up." <laughs> it's just such a vile, like unnecessarily violent action. And I love, it. like, I've said time and time and time and time and time again, Akira Hokuto is one of my absolute favorite wrestlers. She is just sadism and devastation. And-
1: but Akira Hokuto is unnecessary violence. That's the only way to describe her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I have watched her do so many things. Like, I think it, I can't remember one of the cars, the, the, the night she got to challenge Aja Kong for the WWE Women's Championship and gets on the house mic and says, Aja, I have an injury. It would ruin the prestige of the championship if I challenged for it right now. So let's have a non-championship match. And when I'm fully fit and healthy, I will challenge you for the championship. And then proceeds to tear the house down with Azure Khan. And then goes backstage and you they see you sticking a needle in her knee. <laughs> it's like I've seen her put somebody's shoulder back in socket just so they could continue wrestling in the middle of a match. She She is unnecessary violence. She is... There was a, the old story about you heard the old story about the Maoris versus the Scottish Regiment during the New Zealand Civil War of Independence. Uh, sorry, well M- Maoris trying to like regain independence from British invaders during the colonial times. They're both defending this bridge. And the Maoris um, are fighting away and it goes on for about two days. And this Scottish regiment, uh, sorry, the the, the the British regiment stop firing and it's everything quiet for about an hour an hour and the Maori send over uh an emissary and it was like what's wrong and he was like we've run out of bullets anyway don't worry lads borrow some of ours (laughs) (laughs) that's akira hokuto just fight for the sake of fighting and keep fighting some more because i am the greatest wrestler in the world and you have to beat me and you can't
0: It, it it's fitting as well because You've got two very specific styles of wrestling in this match, because as I said, Kaoru is very... Still at this point, it's the more like lucha-slash-technical, whilst Hokuto is just, as you said, unnecessary violence. And their styles just complement each other so much.
1: I'm just looking at this Scorpion Deathlock that Hokuto's got on Kaoru, which she just bends her in half. just like, you know, like Brett would wince at how this Scorpion Deathlock has been put on. Because Brett always was snug, but he never truly hurt somebody. Hokuto doesn't care. She's got it rammed in tight. She's twisting her ankle around. It's like, that hurts. Not I even am started. going to she
0: rip your legs off of it. By,
1: yeah. And Keiru's the perfect person to sell all that for a start and come up with offense that complements it in such a great way. You're you absolutely right. They were made for each other. Absolutely made for each other. You couldn't find two better opponents. I mean, Hokuto was going to be always the biggest star um i think but Kairu obviously because of all that extra time outside of ajw has such a good balanced approach to what wrestling is i love that reverse body slam of hokuto it's just insane i don't know why nobody else has tried it because it's really dangerous i suppose
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'll have to i'll have to show it to akira he'll probably do it
1: yeah yeah it's true and she's
0: yeah. one of them will do it.
1: Mash will do it. She's uh, she's she does not Lights light bomb, don't she? So
0: Akira does the reverse one,
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, they were absolutely made for each other. We've got another Gaia match on after this as well from the uh, wonderful um Gaiaism channel as well, which you should all subscribe to because it gives you the entire history of Gaia, which we could never do justice. Um, this one uh, is entitled Flying and Jumping. <laughs>
0: Yeah this is uh, a very aerial match.
1: Yeah this is Candy uh, Atsuka of JWP going up against Hayuru. Um, and it is the two kind of best aerialists of the two companies kind of showcasing against each other. Uh Candy Atsuka is another woman who really doesn't get the credit she deserves for what she can do in her wrestling. ring. What's your thoughts on this one John?
0: Yeah again two underrated talents just going hell for leather with aerial antics and it's it's a very different type of match to a lot of the things we'd watched on the playlist up until this point so it's it's quite the breath of fresh air just to watch everyone going for aerial madness (laughs) while still kind of retaining some semblance of an actual wrestling match yeah 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 it's it's hard not to argue with
1: yeah, Candy would go on and spend time in Arceon as well. Um, but she was always really a JWP wrestler, first and foremost. And this is an all over the arena brawl as well. There's lots of, it's not just aerial stuff, there's some stiff stuff in there because Candy was pretty stiff herself. But yeah, this is just great. It's just a great wrestling match. It's great to watch. Um, and, you know, and it's like, you do look at these matches and you think, like, how has K.R.U. lasted 32 years? Well, not 32 years. 2002 would have been, uh, 2006 would have been 20th anniversary. So 2016 was the 25th. So 2016, so carried the sick 2000, yeah, 31 years. <laughs>
0: um, that's not we right. been doing this a long time.
1: He yeah, has, yeah. 1986, I'm, I'm lost now. 1985 to 2000 be 25 years. So that's 24 years and then 22. So that's. Yeah, nearly like, well, Hob, she's 53 and she's been wrestling since she was 16. Let's put it that way. I can't do the math in my head because obviously clearly my brain has died. But, you know, and she's just, and like at this point, this is 1997. So she's doing, oh, this is 95. So at this point she's been wrestling for 19 years. Sorry, um, nine years, not 19 years. She's been wrestling for nine years at this particular point. But even like, the next match we're going to go watch.
0: Oh, this is insanity.
1: This is a career-shortening match by any stretch of the imagination. Um,
0: and yet it somehow wasn't.
1: <laughs> no, and 22 years later, the person, people involved are still wrestling. One's only just retired. This is Kayuru versus Argy for the AAAW Women's Championship, the biggest belt in Gaia at the time. Uh, Kairu's character has kind of evolved a little bit more. She's not wearing the Gaia gear, she's wearing her own gear. She's still a noble baby face, and she's going up against Aja Kong, her dojo sister. So they do shake hands before the match, and of course, Kairu takes advantage and German suplexes Aja Kong straight away, drop kicks her outside the ring, and goes for uh, Topic on Hilo. Lanzar just head on the back of the barrier, and then hell breaks loose. So Lots of minutes.
0: tables, hardcore, brawling, blood, you name it, it's all in here, and it's fucking amazing.
1: This is uncomfortably violent. I am not, you know, me and John have covered some horrible matches, and me and Chelsea have covered all of the big FMW stuff. We've had Brett on here we've talked about some violence in all japan in the 90s with the the four pillars we talked about new japan with you know this podcast does not shy away from violence but this is one of the few occasions where i have gone Oof. <laughs> because keiri loses a tooth at one point in this match um there is blood everywhere and the impact they are going for is just insane it's as if Kairu is fighting like a life depends upon it and her career's on the line, which I suppose it was. This was the biggest match of her career at the time. And she goes for it. There is no way out of this. She is. And she means everything. She goes for a senton off the top rope through a table and Aja rolls out the way. And Aja finally gets the advantage, and she just starts battering Keiru.
0: And that was only about two minutes into the match.
1: We are exactly (laughs) two minutes and three seconds into the match. Bang on two minutes is when she landed through the table.
0: And they just pick it up from there. Like Arja's brains are with the bloody table. They get metal bored. The bread bin comes out. You name it. If it's not nailed down, they probably hit each other with it.
1: I'm not convinced that these two were particularly friendly <laughs> at this particular point in their I careers. don't know,
0: because I feel like you have to be, like, on good terms with someone to go this hard. Yeah, I mean... Like, this you, is- if you were, like, because you've if if you notice, they, they keep it going. Like, usually if you hate someone, you, like, try to just end it as quickly as possible to embarrass them.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, if if they weren't cooperating, they wouldn't, um, you know, you've seen, the classic example of a match of not cooperation is Andre the Giant versus uh, uh, Akira Maeda. Um, Maeda, there you go. Um, where uh, Andre turned up drunk, basically, and wasn't having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of exposed the business in the middle of everything, and Antonio you, know, you had to come down and shout at people, and. That is the classic example of what happens when somebody stops cooperating with somebody else. And um, They're still feeding for each other and they're still selling for each other. So they are they are cooperating with each other. But you don't see matches this stiff anymore. Um,
0: Probably for good reason.
1: <laughs> not regular matches, death matches, yes. But even then, death matches, they don't eat each other particularly hard. They just hit each other with sharp things. Whereas this is hitting each other very hard with blunt objects, which is not conductive to lengthy careers the infamous metal boardings that the Currican Hall used to keep fans uh, up the steps are being thrown about liberally by both of them, and Arja is just about to pile-drive Kairu onto stainless steel.
0: And it's kind it... of funny, because those types of boards would become one of Kairu's usual weapons.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's a blade job in there. It's just... it's insane. And it is they're going up the whole, the hallway steps, which is kind of like a keynote of Stardom, but they were kind of the first to do this uh, at the time. This is just a breathtaking, timeless match, and it doesn't get enough. You know, this is like just going above and beyond for your job. You know,
0: I just I love this. It I, is. I could not look away from this one.
1: No, I, it's just insane, absolutely insane. You just cannot give words to how violent it is and but how good it is as well it is human drama you know this is how often did Kairou get a shot at the big championship at the big championship she never won it so when she gets the shot she gives it absolutely everything she possibly can and you go from there and that's it um next match we've got which kind of comes down a little bit and it's a bit of a palate cleanser for you if you're watching it JWP, back to Kandi Okotsu again. Um, and this time we've got Keiru under a mask. I put this in because when Keiru was wrestling in CMLL, she wrestled under a mask a lot. And I thought we should have one match where she's under a mask, even though we've seen kind of seen this match before. Um, and I believe she wrestled under a mask on the, um, a couple of the AJW shows as well. But this is kind of picks up where they left off in the other match from 95. What do you think of this one, John?
0: Yeah, it's just another great lucha sort of match with masked Koru still doing Koru things.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not again, it's not a lot to talk about in the sense of it's just a fantastic match and you should watch it. Please watch this whole part this whole playlist because it is exceptional. But um yeah, it's just it's just a fun little wrestling match. But we kept it on there for you. Um Unfortunately, things aren't always, you know, um, sunshine and roses in the professional wrestling world. And around about 2004, Kaibri had a major injury. Well, she first of all, she turned heel and joined Miyam um, Miyazaki and the Oz Academy mob, uh, along with police and various others. Um, and became the number two heel in the company, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, after Akira Hokuto had retired. And she uh, wrestled as a heel all the way up to the end of the company when unfortunately she had a major leg injury and uh, spent a lot of time on rigsiding crutches. And so I was a member of Oz Academy at the end of uh, Gaia's run. She wasn't uh, an active member of the roster, but she went back onto the freelance wrestling side of things over the next 10 years. There isn't much of that about just because there isn't much of that era of Joshi about because the companies that replaced Gaia and that replaced, um, uh, AJW just weren't big enough to have big TV production. We've seen a couple of those things. Obviously, Sendai Girls was one of them, um, and uh, there's a couple of the promotions that did okay, but K.Ru was making a living on the indies. It wasn't until 2015 when Chigasaw Nagayo decided to rededicate herself to professional wrestling and start a promotion once again, which was called Marvelous. They encouraged her to get K.Ru back on track and make her a big star once again. And with the help of Sendai Girls and Marvellous, K. Roof did indeed become the key draw in Japanese Joshi for maybe a a good three or four year period where she became just the superstar uh, again because she was being a heel. She was enjoying her wrestling. She had time off to heal, And I guess for like the last seven years, she's been the biggest name in Joshi because. Well, Arj is still around, but Manami Toyota's retired, and all of her contemporaries, except for Kyoku, anyway, I suppose, have retired really. So she suddenly became this draw, and she hasn't lost any of her athleticism, despite the fact that in 2015, she was 46. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch her wrestle in these last few matches that we have uh, on this particular playlist, and you go, How can she be 46? Uh, the first of which is kind of sad because it's Kiyoki Komura and Hana against Dashi and Keiru. Obviously, we miss Hana every day because she was an absolute superstar and her tragic death is still playing on our fans' minds as a Joshi fans. However, this match is a breath of fresh air compared to everything else we watch on the show because it's just so much fun. What's your thoughts on this one, John?
0: Yeah, this is a really, really good tag match with just a nice sort of light like hat tone to it it's Keiru and Dash Chizako are just made for each other as a team because they both like Dash takes after K.O. so much mm. and it it's just fun to watch like two hardcore hybrid high flyers battling the Chimuras <laughs> Like, Christ, it, it's been a while since I've seen, like, a really, like, an earlier Hanakamura match. I was used to all of her stardom stuff. Yeah. And just, yeah, she was... You could see, even back then, she was great. Yeah. And as is Kiyoko. Yeah. It's just, as you said, it's a nice, light-hearted sort of breath of fresh air after some of the nastier matches.
1: I think this is the thing. It kind of shows where Joshi is now. Joshi is still... Can be vicious, and Joshi can still be serious storytelling. Can still be really in-depth, uh, hardcore pro wrestling, but it can also be entertaining and fun. And I think that's the the thing, you know, is really since around about two thousand and ten, wrestling Joshi wrestling had to slow down because no one could go at that pace. No one was watching to go at that pace. If you see what I mean, like the heydays of Joshi was well gone by 2010 and they had to come up with something different and people started adding more fun and just having more fun and being more entertaining rather than constantly trying to top everything they'd ever done before which was great and produced great wrestling but you can only do that for a certain amount of time before things go wrong (laughs) (laughs) and you know this is kind of like a good example of where Joshi has moved around Kairu, and Kairu has helped Joshi move around, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it it goes to show that like you can have lived through the car crash era and still sort of come into a new era and work it.
1: Yeah, for certain. I'm, yeah, you're right. Dash and uh, Kairu are exceptional. And our exceptional opponents And our last match is... Probably the best way of closing out uh, our playlist as Dash takes on Kairu in a one-on-one match um, for no particular reason. <laughs>
0: Two because friends having a match. It's just a why not match, isn't it? Yeah, it's bloody entertaining.
1: It is. You know, Kairu at this stage in her career is not as technically proficient. I suppose she can still do it, but she's not. Going for all the technical moves because it's more fun to be a badass and kick people really hard. Even then, she can do a great scout wheel and a, a low drop kick. Um, but she's after violence and she's after weapons and having fun. And that's what kind of like the last few years of Kairu's uh, wrestling career is you just see the smile on her face all the time. And that's what wrestling's supposed to be, you know, in, in that sense. And the type of wrestling that she's trying to do is just like, Stand on the second rope and drop a board on somebody. <laughs>
0: it's, it's just nice to see that level of contentness. It's like she went through the proving stages, she went through the trickier years, and now she can, whilst well, not relaxed, she doesn't have to try so hard. She can, as you said, have fun, go for the harder hits and the weapon spots, and just kick back.
1: Yeah, and that's it. You know, she's not the go-to person to hold the card together anymore, but she's a viable, valuable star. And her ability to hold cards together still at this particular stage is very viable as well. She's just an astounding wrestler. So we've watched wrestling from 996 pretty much until 20, or 2016, this particular match, but you obviously, we've seen a lot of K. since then. So this was 30 years apart. Uh, we watched 30 years of wrestling believe it or not in this particular playlist what did you think of K.Ru and what's her legacy as a professional wrestler?
0: Yeah as I said it's it's fun to watch the sort of terrified 16 year old develop into one of Joshi's best nuts and bolts wrestlers like she might not ever have like the same star power as Akira uh, Hokuto or Aja or any of the class of 86 but at the end of the day she was still a part of that class and she has still held her own she has got quite a legacy behind her and probably inspired way more people than we'll ever actually know like some of them like Dash get, I'm going to assume it's quite an obvious one but with other people like Josh is a lot more Grounded these days. And Kaoru was doing that before it was cool. So, whilst she might not ever be the most well-known person to come from her time period, she's still one of the people that's had the most impact on it.
1: There you go. I don't think that's it. She wrestled across five decades, and she's one of the last Monday Night Warriors still going. And the only other two I can think of are Mako more and Chris Jericho. And that's a legacy in itself, isn't it? Anywho, thank you for listening to today on episode 81 of the Japanese Guide to Professional Wrestling from The Troopany Show, where you can find us on Twitter, at Troopany Show. You can find the show on Patreon, The Troopany Show, and on Facebook, The Troopany Show as well. My name's James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star. Where can we find you on the internet, John?
0: You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is the gateway to to my opinions, my ramblings, match reviews, and... As of now, I am on Patreon myself at Deathmatch Digest. They are weekly breakdowns of popular, famous, and just weird deathmatches I find. <laughs> I have my own curated fun house of gore now.
1: Well, there you go. We are coming up with something to replace Chair Wrestling Magazine. A couple of people have asked me about it. It'll come sooner rather than later, but we're kind of holding off on things until it's just right. In the meantime, Listen to the Sripani show. We have got uh, uh, episodes last week. We got two episodes of the Wrestling Rewind from last week. We, of course, have got um, all the shows of the New Japan G1 climax today at the G1. You can relive the G1 climax or listen to it for the first time. We're recording this on the Tuesday before the final, so we don't know what happened. Um, it's a wee surprise to us, too. <laughs> um, Uh, I'm on holiday this week, so we don't know what we're going to be doing next week, but I'd like to thank John for coming on the show with me. Uh, Go back to listen to me and Chelsea discussing uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling on uh, last week's show, and take care. We'll speak to you soon.
0: Bye!